Hi, I'm Joe Feeks, editor of Pig Health Today, and with me is Dr. Joe Connor. He is a swine veterinarian at Carthage Veterinary Service in Illinois. Great to see you, Joe. Thanks, Joe. Good to see you again. Now, as a veterinarian, you have been caring for pigs for, I guess, more than 40 years. That's and correct. And it's safe to say you've seen it all. I'm not sure I've seen everything, but I've seen a lot of it. But your presentation at the 2019 Lehman Swine Conference, you sound like a guy who's maybe seen enough. You're saying, I've had enough already, never mind control or prevention. We've got to eliminate some of these diseases. Well, Joe, I think the thing we want to keep in mind is that as an industry, we export somewhere above 27% of our product on, a, uh, on an annual basis. One of the reasons we can meet those exports is that we have a low cost of production. I think we've recognized over the years that disease is one of those inputs that really changes that cost of production. And so when we think about how to manage diseases, we typically go through a process of uh, management through the tools we have. But at some point, we ask ourselves, can we eliminate those particular agents and then remove them out of the equation as far as contributing to the cost of production? So my presentations dealt with the elimination of uh, PDV virus porcine, and porcine delta coronavirus as well as TGE and mycoplasm hyonomoniae. And do you see those as the, the low-hanging fruit? Because there are a lot of diseases out there you could target. Yeah, I sure do. If, when we look at the databases, and we remember that uh, PEDV and then uh, porcine delta coronavirus were introduced in 2013 and early 2014, our databases today would clearly say that the prevalence of both of those viruses have decreased uh, considerably and are now at a point where we should consider elimination. We've, we've intensified the tools from 2013-14 to the day primarily by uh, improving biosecurity and we know how to eliminate uh, PEDV and Delta coronavirus on an individual herd basis uh, quite effectively. Mycoplasm hyonomoniae is a little bit different in that that's a uh, disease that's been within the industry for years and years but in the last 10 years, similarly, we've recognized uh, that it has a higher cost than we thought previously. And we've also recognized that when it is with co-infections such as PRS and swine influenza, that cost goes up dramatically. So as you think through that, you would say, well, we're having difficulty eliminating uh, PRS. We're having uh, some difficulty in managing influenza. So if we can remove mycoplasm hyonomoniae out of the equation, we can also lower our cost of production and improve productivity. So how do you get started with this? Because you know, you've rattled off several different diseases and then of course there is PERS and swine flu and so many others. If a producer says, yeah, Dr. Connor is right, we should be eliminating TGE, we should be eliminating mycoplasma, how do they get started? Yeah, so if you look back, and uh, about a year ago I gave a presentation just summarizing all of the diseases or pathogens that we've eliminated out of our industry over the last 40 years. And that list is actually quite long. And they all start with really individual herd elimination and then uh, success in the individual herd and adjustments to programs that are more cost effective. Then it moves generally to an area and then to a region, and then 
uh, national as the last part of the elimination program. So it's always driven, Joe, by what tools we have available, what the risks are that that pathogen will re-enter the pig population, and then what success we've had in those elimination programs. And that's what our veterinary community has been uh, tremendously successful in. They've been able to identify um, these low-hanging fruits, modified the tools that will be cost-effective, and then push forward with the producers to be successful. But if I'm a producer, I mean, you talked about the risk of, the, of reinfection. Uh, eliminating mycoplasma, for example, is going to require considerable time, labor, and, and also investment. What sort of assurances do they have uh, that this bug won't come back to haunt their herd? Yeah, mycoplasma hanemonii is actually interesting because for years we have thought that aerosol transmission, particularly in pig dense areas, was always going to be the way that we reinfected herds. A study that uh, Yeski and others uh, were involved in uh, two plus years ago showed that actually we can have closeouts remain negative to mycoplasm hanemonii even in pig dense areas. So we really took that risk factor out of the equation. Now, there's always some unknowns, and if we think about mycoplasm hanemonii, we had some herds in 2019 that were infected that we have not found the source of the introduction of that pathogen to those populations. So producers are always going to have that question. Can you guarantee zero risk of recontamination? The answer is generally no, but what we do know is that if we've eliminated the pathogen one time, we've got the tools, and even if we can't uh, recognize the reintroduction pathway, we can still re-eliminate that uh, organism again and improve the health and productivity of that herd. And we'll continue to look at those introduction pathways because anytime there are those unanswered pathways, uh, we want to try to understand those. What farms are the best candidates for elimination? Well, the easiest ones uh, are always now the segregated production farms. So breed to weed on one farm, nursery or wean to finish on the other farm. And that's going to be true and is true for these viruses and this particular uh, respiratory pathogen. And it would generally be true for all of the agents that we're concerned about because it changes the dynamics of the cost of elimination and the steps that you can use to eliminate. Now, biosecurity has to be a big part of any kind of uh, elimination or, for that matter, a control program. Um, but it's one of those topics where you bring it up to producers and may sound easy, but then that they might glaze over after a while. What have you learned about biosecurity? What can we do to make it even better? Well, I think a, a good example, uh, Joe, would be a TGE. We talked about it in terms of a part of the elimination nationally. In, in actuality, the number of cases of TGE has gone almost to zero with the increase in biosecurity. And what, what PED revigorated us was that there are steps and practical steps that we need to understand to intensify uh, biosecurity so that we have both bioexclusion and biocontainment. So from 2014, the industry has aggressively moved in strategies that would increase the biosecurity at the individual site and particularly in uh, transport where we know is a common method for us to uh, move particularly viruses and bacteria.
So we've talked about elimination, we've touched on control, but what about prevention? We're raising pigs differently today than we did five or 10 years ago. We're certainly managing, managing them differently. Um, are you concerned about any older diseases re-emerging in the pork industry? Well, I, uh, I think that's always a possibility. And one that comes to our attention occasionally is uh, good old swine dysentery or, or brachiospira that, really? that we see uh, increasingly somewhat in uh, Midwest production systems. Now, Joe, you and I have both been in the pork industry a long time, and I think I did my first interview with you more than 30 years ago, and I think that might have been on bloody scours or otherwise known as swine dysentery. I thought that disease went away. Well, uh, we probably missed the opportunity to eliminate that disease when we had the prevalence really low. Now we see, if we look at our diagnostic prevalence, that it is increasing uh, in a few of the geographical areas. At the same time, we've lost some of our control methods, and so is we, one of the factors is we think about an elimination and brachiospira swine dysentery being a great example, we want to take that opportunity when prevalence is low to try to eliminate those pathogens because maybe some of the tools that we have during that time period will not be available to us and that's a great example, Joe. Now the pork industry has done a nice job of reducing the amount of feed antibiotics that they're using in feed, particularly the medically uh, important ones. Um, do you think, while that's a positive trend uh, from an antimicrobial resistance management standpoint, is, is, are we opening up the door for other bacterial pathogens? If we go down and think through uh, bacterial organisms such as Strepsuus and Haemophilus parasuus, we have to move to uh, other control methods, primarily involving uh, vaccines or uh, exposure methods, since we don't use the uh, antimicrobials like we did previously. Now we've talked a lot about bacterial pathogens today, but viruses obviously get a lot of attention, particularly for the um, possibility of them being transmitted through feed. What are you telling your producers these days? Yeah, one of the things that, uh, Joe, that's come out of uh, the 2013-14 PED introduction was that we can transfer viruses through certain feed ingredients. Continuing on today and, and thinking about the risk as ASF, we also know from a, uh, research studies that the, that virus, as well as the other viruses we'd be concerned about, uh, have survivability in certain ingredients. So what we're telling our producers is, one, continue to fund research because the best research is being done here within the U.S. pork industry. Um, it's the most current, it's the most practical. Secondly, we have information coming out that would tell us what we can do in the short term to try to reduce the risk of those viruses. So uh, time and storage temperature of those ingredients at high risk, uh, auditing of uh, feed mills, auditing of uh, feed transport biosecurity have all really come to the forefront and are things that we can't deal with. And then lastly in that arena has been feed mitigants that'll reduce the concentration if not fully inactivate the virus and so viruses of concern. So what we expect will come out over the next time period will be a, a number of mitigants that are uh, cost effective 
and we will also find a practical place within the chain that we would include those ingredients. So for example, that might be at the blender if it is uh, incoming ingredients from outside the country, which would then reduce the need to add them at the final stage of uh, uh, feed manufacturing. 